1: Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And here we are on a Wednesday morning. Hope your Wednesday is going well. It is August 23rd. Happy birthday to my big brother, Al Cresta, today, CEO of Ave Maria Radio. Wonderful day today. You can say hi to him on Facebook at avemariaradio.net. You can hit connect there, the links to all of our social media outlets. And always like to say happy birthday to all of our friends here in the EWTN listening off audience. Whoever has a birthday today, along with Al Cresta, well, happy birthday to you. Also, want to remind you, folks, before we get into the rundown this morning, that this Saturday, please consider joining EWTN for the free, free family celebration. It's in Birmingham, Alabama. At the Jefferson Convention Complex, and it's going to be a beautiful celebration of the network, especially with a focus on Mother Angelica's amazing love and dedication to body, blood, soul, and divinity, Jesus. And also marking the centennial year of Mother Angelica's birth. There's going to be talks by your favorite EWTN TV and radio hosts. You can go shopping for amazing religious items at the Religious Catalog, which will be on display there. Attend Holy Mass, be part of a TV show. It's really a cool event if you've never been. And the nice thing about being in Alabama, right, you're in Birmingham, and you're only about 15, 20 minutes away from the studios. And you've never toured our headquarters in Irondale. It's really an experience. And all you have to do is go online, EWTN.com, and contact them. Give them a call and say, hey, I'm going to be in town for the family celebration. How can I organize a tour of the studios? And they'll help you with that. So Father Wade Meninnies is going to be there. Deacon Harold Burke sivers Jim and Joy Pinto, Michael Warsaw, Doug Keck, and, of course, Janet Bakovic-Williams. So many amazing people you'll get to meet in person Up close and personal, it's going to be a great event. So check it out online, EWTN.com. As I said, it's really a fun, family-friendly, uplifting event, and it just reminds you that we are not alone, and that God, as I always say, is very large and very much in charge. So today, on a Tuesday, actually Wednesday morning, excuse me, of the program, we are going to be, because we are your Pro-Life Radio Network, taking a look at two very important stories. Now, since we're an international network, We cover issues that not only affect us here in the United States, but around the world. And very close to us are our friends in Canada, especially for those of us in southeastern Michigan, because they're literally right across the river. And Windsor, Ontario, is often considered by Metro Detroiters to be a suburb. It's a beautiful community right across the river from downtown Detroit. And they have great little neighborhoods and and shops and wonderful parks along the Detroit River. And it's just a, a great place to visit. And again, many uh, Michiganders go back and forth. and But it's so sad what's happening in Canada on so many levels, especially when it comes to euthanasia. It's out of control. I did a local segment yesterday in the first hour of my program where I came across a couple of stories on LifeNews.com and a couple of other um, conservative outlets talking about how the medical community there is pushing this so much that their own leaders in that medical community are Issuing warnings. Okay, you're taking this too far. So we're going to talk about that in terms of what's happening. And now the medical community is realizing how this is out of control. If only they would look at this and then say, okay, Basta, we have to stop, just like with abortion. Don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But we need to raise awareness on this. And that's why we're going to be checking in with Alex Schadenberg He's the executive director of the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition. And then wrapping up with another pro-life story, Kevin Bagana, who's the CEO of Real Alternatives. You may have seen the story on ew News Nightly or other news outlets such as The Register or Catholic News Agency on this beautiful, beautiful effort that's been in place in the state of Pennsylvania for many years. It's called Real Alternatives. It's a nonprofit offering a program that provides services to new and expectant mothers who are in need of extra support. And when I mean support, they support them. And yet they were just cut off at the knees by the state of Pennsylvania, and we'll explain. The CEO, Kevin Bagada, will be joining us on this Wednesday morning edition of Catholic Connection. As far as the weather is concerned, across the nation, they're looking at some real um, problems with the heat. We'll have a story about that in the news but they're also talking about more tropical storms that are showing up, which is really interesting. There's a ton of them. And let me just pull up the uh, National Weather Service forecast. Yeah, they're saying that there are, my goodness, uh, so many states, I think they mentioned about 18 states, maybe even be more now, that are going to be affected by the extreme heat to start with. Then you have all these other situations developing with the storms. Let me just give you, as soon as my computer cooperates, here we go. All right, this is according to the National Weather Service Excessive and dangerous heat intensifying and expanding in the central part of the country. Tropical Storm Herald remnants are bringing threats of strong to severe storms and heavy to excessive rain. This is from the southwest to the inner Mountain West. Tropical Storm Franklin will bring heavy rain that could cause flash flooding and mudslides in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands as the system passes across that area. So a lot to keep in mind. Be safe. Stay tuned to us for all the latest information. Right now, it's already six minutes past the hour on a busy Wednesday morning. Let's take a look at the news and see what's happening in and around the world on a Wednesday. Federal court on Monday upholding an Alabama law banning hormonal sex change treatments for children under 18. As Catholic News Agency explains today on their website, the court's decision places Alabama among 14 states to have laws banning sex changing treatments for children now in effect. That decision, which was made by a three-judge panel on the 11th Circuit, as CNA explains, only temporarily, however, upholds the ban. The lawsuit against Alabama's transgender treatments law will continue and be reviewed by the full 11th Circuit Court with a trial set for next April, April 2nd of 24. The law is called the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, and it was passed by the Alabama State Legislature back in April of last year. It bans sex-changing surgeries and cross-sex hormonal treatments on minors. The law includes criminal penalties of up to 10 years in prison for those performing or administrating sex change procedures to children. Catholic News Agency also reports the act also prohibits school officials from withholding information from parents whose children are struggling with gender dysphoria or have expressed a desire to transition to another sex. Our Lady of Guadalupe proclaimed the gospel in mother tongue. That's according to Pope Francis speaking at the audience today, highlighting the important role that mothers play in passing on the faith to the next generation. As Catholic News Agency also explains in his catechesis on evangelization today, the Holy Father is speaking out about how the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe back in 1531 helped to spread the gospel across the Americas, praising her as an inspired model of motherhood and enculturation. He said the Virgin of Guadalupe appears dressed in the clothing of the native peoples, speaking their language, and she welcomes and loves the local culture. Mary is mother, and under her mantle, every child finds a place. In her, God became flesh— and through Mary, he continues to incarnate himself in the lives of the people. Our Lady, in fact, proclaims, he said, God in the most suitable language, the mother tongue. And to us, too, Our Lady speaks in our own mother tongue, the one we understand well. The Pope added, I would like to say thank you to the many mothers and grandmothers who passed the gospel on to their children and grandchildren. Faith is passed on with life. This is why he said mothers and grandmothers are the first evangelizers. In other news this morning, Republican presidential candidates will face off on the debate stage in Milwaukee tonight. Eight candidates taking part in the first debate of the 2024 presidential primary. They include Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, former Vice President Mike Pence, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. The event is hosted by Fox News, but will be without the party's frontrunner, Donald Trump. He has decided to skip that debate and has instead recorded an interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Matt McClure tells us that authorities say multiple deaths in one South Carolina county could all be due to a deadly drug.
0: The Chesterfield County Sheriff's Office says several deaths are likely the result of fentanyl poisoning. Deputies responded to at least three deaths in the Chirra area in recent days. Reports say one other person connected to the deaths was taken to the hospital in critical condition, also likely with fentanyl poisoning. In a Facebook post, the Chesterfield County Sheriff says he wants to remind the public not to touch or ingest any substance that may contain fentanyl and contact law enforcement immediately.
1: Much of the central U.S., as we mentioned earlier, dealing with an extremely dangerous heat dome. Forecasters say high temps today could surpass 100 degrees in some areas in the Midwest to the Gulf Coast. Major cities are under extreme heat alerts this week, including Dallas, Oklahoma City, Kansas City, Louisville and Nashville. Schools in Chicago announcing that all outdoor games scheduled for today and tomorrow have been canceled due to the weather. And crews are still battling the Oregon fire in Washington state. The strategy continues to be full suppression with direct attack efforts where possible. The south end of the fire remains the hottest area, according to officials.
0: Crews have been working in here around the structures as well as the primary line here to the south in order to uh, gain
1: some containment there. Section Operations Chief Nathan Goodridge said structural protection continues as well as construction of new and better fire lines. Priorities continue to be protecting homes in that area of Washington near the Idaho border and other buildings. Level 3 evacuations are still in place or areas east and southeast of Elk. Isolated showers and the remnants of Hurricane Hillary are now moving through the area. Scott Pringle tells us families of 9-11 victims are protesting a possible plea deal for the convinced mastermind, of the 2001 terror attacks and four other defendants.
0: 9-11 family members sent a letter to President Biden asking him to stop any potential plea deal for Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and four others being held in Guantanamo Bay. Brett Eagleson lost his father in the 9-11 attacks. A trial is really what we need to bring closure, and a trial is what will really tell us what KSM knew about who helped him and and who helped the hijackers. And we continue to believe and say that it was the Saudi government. Saudi Arabia has denied any involvement. The White House says it remains committed for justice for victims of terrorism.
1: The UAW, United Auto Workers Union, voting today on whether to go on strike. That strike would be against the big three car manufacturers. The union has a contract that expires on September 14th and is asking for wage increases, the elimination of the two-tiered wage system, a restoration of cost of living adjustments, and pensions for all workers in a new contract. More than 43,000 union workers are voting today on that strike and the results are expected tomorrow. Meanwhile, a UPS strike is off the table after members of the Teamsters Union ratified a five-year deal with the shipping company. The union announcing yesterday that 86% of the members had voted for the contract, which will be retroactively in effect starting the date of August 1st. And Ventura County, California, as Daniel Martindale explains, may be in the clear after a sizable earthquake and a series of moderate aftershocks.
0: The U.S. Geological Survey has not reported a notable aftershock near Ojai since shortly after 5.30 Tuesday morning. Dozens of aftershocks were felt following the initial magnitude 5.1 earthquake that hit on Sunday afternoon. That includes a 3.9, 2.6, and 2.7 quake within less than an hour on Tuesday morning.
1: An Omaha daycare where a baby died after being left in a hot van now temporarily closed. Reports indicate the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services issuing an emergency order shutting down that facility. The driver of the daycare now faces the daycare van now faces charges of child abuse by neglect resulting in death. Nearly half of Gen Z Americans say they don't expect to get a dime of their social security benefits. A new survey from the nationwide Retirement Institute finding that forty five percent of adults between the ages of eighteen and twenty six agree they won't receive any of the benefits they've earned for retirement thirty nine percent of millennials in the same said the same as did twenty five percent of Gen X and ten percent of baby boomers. This comes as Social Security is expected to approach insolvency in about 10 years. And a backlog in the Panama Canal is likely to bring supply chain delays through the rest of the year. Alan Baer, CEO of a shipping and logistics company, explains some items will take longer than others to reach their destination.
0: 30, 60, 90 days delay. And so that for consumers could mean something you thought would be in in September, October may arrive December, January, for
1: example. One of the most critical trading routes for the U.S. has been hit by dry weather and extreme weather as well. Containers, ships normally headed for the East Coast, have been unable to get through if they are too heavy to float through the current conditions. Experts say the holdup should be temporary, but as you heard, some products such as home building supplies could fall months and months behind. And a fun story, finally, in our news at about uh, 14 minutes past the hour. Remember all those stories about the Loch Ness Monster? Well, there are folks who still insist it's around somewhere. And as Brian Shook tells us, hunters are gathering in Scotland. Look the Loch Ness
2: Center is expecting hundreds of people to participate in the quest weekend hunt. Officials say it was 90 years ago when a hotel manager witnessed a water beast in the Loch Ness. The center says the voluntary research team, Loch Ness Exploration, will be using drones with infrared cameras to detect anything beneath the surface. Volunteers from around the world will be participating in person and online this weekend to see if they can catch the mythical beast.
1: Fifteen minutes past the hour on a Wednesday, August 23rd. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Radio Network. And remember, for all the information on the Family Celebration, you can find it on the homepage, Family Celebration this weekend in Birmingham, at EWTN.com. Wanted to mention that we have all kinds of folks in the studio this morning here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We we're headquartered Ave Maria Radio. And we have many of our local affiliates who are around, leaders of the affiliates, and we're having a regional meeting. It's a lot of fun. We had a nice dinner last night at... One of our favorite Italian restaurants in southeastern Michigan, wonderful Catholic family, owned Cantoros. And if you're ever in southeastern Michigan and you want real Italian food, take it from me. Head over and meet the Filoni family from Monte Cassino, which is in the southern part of Lazio, which is beautiful, of course, where St. Bending, St. Scholastica are buried. Wonderful family, uh, so Catholic, but the market and the restaurant. Off the charts. I am not kidding you. I love their food. And you know that me and Deacon Dom are very picky about our Italian food. So, anyhow, thanks to Cantoros and Corporate Travel for helping out with that dinner last night. And thanks to all of our leaders and the radio affiliates, including Spirit Radio and St. Gabriel Radio and many others who are gathered here. And of course, our own Jack Williams from EW10, head of radio operations, here to just sit down and kind of chat about radio and how we are trying to do our best to reach out to you, brothers and sisters. We'll be right back. It is a Wednesday morning. Joan Lewis on vacation today, wrapping up, just getting home, so we're giving her another day off. Hopefully she'll regroup with us next week. We're going to take a look at the euthanasia issue and what's happening in Canada and what it means for the rest of us. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in.
2: He was a doctor of the church, a Carmelite, and one of the most famous mystics of all time. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. John of the Cross wanted to help all Christians to become saints. One of his most important teachings was to encourage us all to learn how to love. For there is no love, he said, put love, and you
0: will find love. He died in 1591. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Find all the information online about all of our programs, EWTN.com. I've had the blessing of meeting Alex Schadenberg, Executive Director of the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition, more than once. So we've spoken at conferences together, and he told me during the break we also bumped into each other at the March for Life in D.C. Alex, this story, it is shocking, but then again, it isn't. You've got Canadian doctors are killing so many people in your country that their own community is now pushing back and issuing a letter saying okay this is going too far or too fast so tell us what happened recently with the medical community raising awareness on their own good morning thanks okay, for joining yeah, us yeah
2: you're referring to Quebec in particular right. so Quebec has got down the, the highest euthanasia rate in the world now I know Quebec has got a lot of issues but the fact of it is, is it should be shocking to everyone to hear this because of how short a period of time we've had, we've had this euthanasia killing going on in Canada and yet Quebec now has approximately 7% of all deaths that are euthanasia and the reason the uh the it's actually the euthanasia commission that they have in Quebec that came out and said you know you know you got to hold off a bit guys because one of the things is that they've had uh, quite a few deaths that were outside of the law so when you read some of those dutch reports from a few years ago you they were admitting that they had So many unreported deaths. There were so many deaths without request or consent. This stuff is now turning up in Quebec, and they're saying, you know, you you can't do this. This isn't this isn't appropriate. Uh, So they're not saying, I don't kill people. They're just saying, try and stay within the law. The law is really wide, which is what's ridiculous in Canada. You don't have to be terminally ill. Uh, you don't, you know, and we're adding euthanasia for mental illness starting uh, on uh, March 17th next year. Uh, the definitions don't exist. That's the other problem with our law that's made it just go through the roof. Doctors can just do what they want. Almost, I'm not saying they can do what they want. I'm saying it is, really appears that way with some of these cases and stories. But uh, uh, you know, we've had the recent story that came out, which was really shocking: the woman in British Columbia who went. She was experiencing suicidal ideation, and she was uh, with it enough to realize that she should be going for counseling, for help. So she went to the Vancouver General Hospital, and the counselor told her, Well, you know, we can't get you into a psychiatrist for a few months, and there really is no bed, so we can't admit you or anything like that. But have you thought about euthanasia?
1: Oh, my you know, gosh.
2: It's, it's, it's crazy. As I, now, of course, they call it medical aid and dying treatment just to make people feel better about it. But this is about out-and-out out killing of people. Uh, with significant either medical or psychological or social issues going on, uh, we've had the euthanasia of people who are poor, uh, people who are homeless, people who can't get medical treatment. We had the story of the woman in British Columbia who simply could not get medical treatment. She had a specialist in BC who moved to the US, couldn't get medical treatment, but she could get euthanasia. She could get that, but she, and she could get it immediately because her condition was significant enough because uh, we have a two-track law. You can die immediately if you have a significant condition, but if your condition is not terminal and just chronic, you have to wait 90 days. She could get an immediate death, but she couldn't get medical treatment. And these are the kind of things we're seeing over and over again in our country, and it's really becoming more and more sickening as
1: we see it. What's been the response of the Canadian people? The problem is that the
2: Canadian people have been lulled into believing that this is all a good thing. So in the latest polling... It showed that you know what was it uh thirty something percent of Canadians uh thought it was okay to have euthanasia for poverty and and I think that that's more so that they're they're lulled in this concept that all these people are suffering because that's how they sold it to Canadians. We were just inundated with story after story of people who are suffering, and so yeah, I can see how somebody who, um, who has a significant health condition might also be homeless. I can understand this, but Still, they, what they're not getting is that uh, this is becoming almost like a death on demand situation as it's growing in an acceptance. And the other thing about it is, they're, they've been really pushing so hard to create availability for euthanasia for killing. So they've set up these training sessions and everything for our physicians and our nurses, because nurses can do it in Canada. They've got all these. They've got uh, euthanasia teams, so made teams in the major. All the major hospitals have a made. Team. So then they, they ask people, they go bed to bed asking people, would you like to have made?"
1: Oh know, my gosh. As
2: crazy as it is, because they say, oh, well, you have a right to die, so we have to provide you that availability. And yet at the same time, if you had significant pain or symptom management and you're wanting you know, proper palliative care, that's, that's hard to find. So all of this is really uh, becoming more, as I say, it becomes more and more ridiculous. I keep telling people as I'm going through the stories. I couldn't have made this up. You know, if, someone, if I had told you these things 10 years ago, you would say, no. You're that's just, never going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah you're going yeah. too far. You know, I know you're against euthanasia, but you're just going too far. And that's what they said to us in 2016 in Canada when they were debating the legalization of this. They said, oh, they're just reactionaries. We were warning that, oh, well, you know, you've got this le- language of this legislation that doesn't exist. You didn't define anything. It's going to explode on us. And they were saying, no, no, you're reactionary. In fact, sadly, we were right. And I don't want to be right. Wow. Uh, I wish I were wrong.
1: <sighs> Dear God. Euthanasia Prevention Coalition is Alex's organization. He's the executive director. What's the website, Alex, for the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition so people can get more information?
2: Yeah, it's epcc.ca. We also have the uh, largest, the most complete uh, information on the topic. It's the blog. If you go to the blog, you'll see that we, uh, we're constantly updating all the stories. And if you're wanting to do research on the topic, it's all there, and uh, and uh, research on whether it be organ-assisted suicide or Canada youth nature the Netherlands, it's all there.
1: We, we're we going into a break in about a minute, but just quickly, we know obviously there's a political agenda with, with death, with the culture of death in Canada and the U.S. and all over the world, but is the other agenda, I was always taught as a journalist to follow the money, because it seems that you could be saving a lot of money in killing people, just as you know, what Planned Parenthood pushing these kinds of things as well in terms of the United States with with abortion, 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 making money, and then you know telling people they'll save money if they kill their children right in the womb. So do you see money as part of this agenda with the use in the euthanasia movement? Well, that's
2: one of these unspoken about things, but they're saving uh, literally a- incredible millions, not only on the medical care issue, because of course these people are dying way before they would. Have cost the medical system
1: right. significant
2: dollars, but on top of it, in the social money, because now people with disabilities are dying. Our law doesn't require you to be terminally ill, so if you have a chronic condition, you qualify now to be killed. So if you start thinking about the amount of money of people on, on uh, disability benefits and things like that that they're saving, it's, it's unbelievably uh, sad to realize that uh, they're balancing
1: the budgets on killing. Wow. More with Alex Schadenberg, the executive director of the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition. This is EWTN, your pro-life radio network. More questions, more information on how we could stand up against the culture of death in Canada and elsewhere. We'll be right back. They said it would never happen, as Alex Schadenberg told us, right? Oh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be that bad. You're overreacting. You're reactionary. You're too emotional. You're an extremist. Alex is the executive director of the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition. And just as with abortion, if you talk to the folks who were very involved in the abortion movement right after Roe v. Wade, right? Right after the Supreme Court approved abortion through nine months of pregnancy, and thanks be to God, we overturned that last year. But way, way back, if you talk to the folks who have been at this for a long time, they will say that never in a world did they even imagine that we'd be to the point we are right now with these proposals, especially Proposal 3 here in Michigan, abortion on demand for uh, minors who don't have to contact their parents, don't have to let any family members know, they removed all kinds of protections. So it's very similar what's happening in the euthanasia movement, what's happening or has been happening in the abortion industry and movement. Alex, I mean, it's just so sad. Anybody who has an issue, they're presenting death as an option, as that it should even be an option. And I noticed in a couple of stories, even veterans who are struggling in Canada calling up for help experiencing PTSD. Thank you for serving our country. Have you thought about killing yourself?
2: That's exactly what happened. And, you know, the fact of it is is now, uh, see, we had several cases like that. And the first, the government said, oh, that was just a bad one-off. That was just one case the first case that came to the media, right? Just, you know, that, that veteran who contacted the media, but what happened to him? He was going to PTSD. He was told that he considered euthanasia. And then, you know, the this is the Veterans Affairs worker who's trying to provide you help, supposedly, says, oh, well, you know, we've had several people go that route already. You know, and then uh, he ended up going to the U.S. just, you know, so he could get treatment. He was so... So desponded by the response of Veterans Affairs Canada. But then there was another case of Christine Gauthier. Christine Gauthier served our country. She became disabled. She became a Paralympian after that. So here she's asking Veterans Affairs for what? A wheelchair ramp. A wheelchair ramp. Now think about it. She served our country. She needs a wheelchair. She's she's asking for help to put in a wheelchair ramp, and they told her, if it's that bad, Christine, you should be considering euthanasia. Like, these are the kind of things that you just can't believe that they'd actually be doing. The other big thing that's really upsetting is how it's changed changed the medical system as a whole. I mentioned to you a little bit about, you know, the the difficulty getting good palliative care. The problem is, is that they've told all of our palliative care institutions, and I know there's problems in palliative care at times, but there's also good palliative care. But they've told all our palliative care institutions, you're receiving funding from the government, therefore you must for euthanasia. That's resulted in huge numbers of the good palliative care people leaving the system, making it so much harder to get proper care at the end of life. But on top of it, they defunded uh, the Delta Hospice Society, for instance. Why? Because the Delta Hospice Society said we're not going to kill. So they had a 10-bed hospice. The government defunded them, shut them down because they wouldn't kill. This is the kind of thing you have going on when you uh, say that killing is the solution. You know killing becomes a solution before you know we become addicted to killing uh the fact that, and they and of course we don't want to call it killing, gosh, you know, calling a killing well that that's just an anathema. These people were suffering, Alex, you know we don't want to say that, we'll upset people, but what is it then? you know tell me what is? Well, it? Well, it's just
1: like abortion, oh, it's a choice right it's It's reproductive freedom, it's a choice it's it's not killing, it's not terminating a life.
2: Yeah, they Same create thing. these new terms, medical aid in dying, so we had to argue, we had this commercial going on in British Columbia, and we had a complaint against us, because it said, it's not euthanasia, it's medical aid in dying. Well, what do you think medical aid in dying is? Right, you know? right. <laughs> Isn't it it's interesting
1: how they never want to admit to what, just admit it, this is what you're doing, and you think you think it's needed, so just say it. Why are they always trying to do the semantics route? To me, that's very yeah. telling.
2: But I think you should be concerned about what's going on in the U.S. too, because your assisted suicide is growing. The latest data shows that uh, California's assisted oh, suicide yeah. rate last yep. year just mm-hmm. massively jumped. I mean, massively jumped. And we're looking at the fact that in Oregon and in Vermont, they removed their their um, you know the uh, residency requirement under their law. So now you have suicide happening in Oregon and Vermont of people from all over the U.S. So that's the new. Assisted suicide businesses that have been set up in Oregon and Vermont. Uh, there's one doctor in particular who uh, who sets up a clinic now in Oregon who's doing that assisted suicide. A clinic all over a the clinic. U.S. A clinic. Well, you know. Yeah. A killing center, right? Because uh, then he can focus just on assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see the numbers start really jumping, because they they know they know that Louisiana and Texas are never going to legalize assisted suicide, but they still want to kill people from Louisiana and Texas. So we'll just do it in Vermont and Oregon, mm-hmm. and who have whatever other states in the future that remove the residency requirements. So the the death lobby is uh, really promoting big time the growth of assisted suicide. By, in several ways, in the U.S., they've changed the rules. Like in the past, uh... the whole concept is you had to have a six-month death prognosis. Now you see the in New Mexico, that's gone. You had to have a 15-day waiting period. Almost all the states removed that. Now, as I say, the residency requirements are gone. Then there's all this other issue in the U.S. about the lethal drug experiments that people don't realize. They haven't heard about this. They're saying, "Oh, assisted suicide is a peaceful death." It's not a peaceful death. It's not a quick and peaceful death. People sometimes take three days to die. It's a, It can be a very horrific death. Uh, nonetheless, they're doing experiments with, uh, with drug use in order to figure out what is a more effective, cheap way to kill people. And this is going on in the U.S. And uh, people is just uh, immune to the reality because we don't want to talk about
1: well, it. Well, and also because a majority of the secular media are on board with this, and the research shows that, and, and and they don't cover the stories the way they need to be covered and really understand, help people understand what's going on, giving them the facts so they can make up their own warning, because we as Catholics would always be against euthanasia, of course. But That's exactly it. Alex, let me just ask you as we wrap up. Now, you're coming to Michigan, you told me during the break. You've got a conference in October in Grand Rapids, which is in the western part of the state. So we definitely want to have you back on. Why are you coming to Michigan? Michigan in October for a conference?
2: Well, Michigan is the next big push for the assisted suicide lobby because your government is very, 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 very pro death. So, therefore, uh, this year, uh, Michigan made major changes on other issues, as you know very well. And now, so next year, they're going to be pushing very hard on assisted suicide in Michigan. They want to legalize it in Michigan. And Michigan, as you know, is a very big state. So, uh, obviously speaking, the other side is, is hiring staff and getting ready to make this big push. So, in turn, we decided to have our next conference on October 21st in Grand Rapids uh, because we wanted to make sure people were ready to try and fight that battle. And uh, so that's what's happening.
1: So how can we find out information about that conference? Obviously, we're going to have you on as we get closer to that really important. But where do we find information on that, Alex?
2: Well, if you're in connection with uh, with uh, Michigan Right to Life, uh, they're going to be promoting it.
1: Certainly, okay, great. we're
2: promoting it. But uh, if you're in Michigan or in the area, just you'll be able to look up Michigan Right to Life events, and it'll be right there.
1: Well, it's, we're talking about Michigan at this conference, but as you said, if it's going to happen here, then they're going to just market this all over the place. This, Michigan is not going to be alone. Right, in so we're country.
2: offering this conference as yeah. an in-person and also a virtual conference. So those who uh, uh, get the information, or you can go to my website, or you can email me at info at epcc.ca, and I'll make sure you get the information about it. But by making it also a virtual conference, it's available to people all over the world to be uh, receiving that same information on how to Mm -hmm. fight this.
1: Alex, thank you for all your information and your hard work. Alex Shedenberg is the Executive Director of the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition. We're talking about the shocking number of deaths in Canada after they passed the legalization of uh, suicide, assisted suicide in Canada. Similar things happening here in the U.S. as you mentioned. The numbers skyrocketing in California and other places and something that we have to be very, very greatly aware of and informed so we can fight back, stand up, pray, but make a difference out there, especially when we go to vote. Again, Alex, give us your website.
2: It's euthanasia prevention collision. E-P-C-C dot C-A. The C-A, of course, means Canada. And the other thing, silence doesn't help us. You need to be voicing Amen. The strong opinions against these
1: things. Amen. Alex, thanks. Look forward to having you back on. Well, I don't look forward to the topic, but I do look forward to helping people find out about it, because we have to, as you just said, be informed. We'll be right back, continuing our pro-life discussion this morning. Kevin Bogata is the CEO of Real Alternatives, a pro-life group, and a very interesting challenge in the state of Pennsylvania. We'll explain when we come back. This past hour on Wednesday morning, August 23rd, we are your pro-life radio and TV network. EWTN and Ave Maria Radio co-produce this program, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Kevin Magata is the CEO of Real Alternatives, an incredible nonprofit organization in Pennsylvania. Kevin, thanks for joining us. So first, before we get into the nitty-gritty of, of recent breaking news with your organization, talk about Real Alternatives and what you've been doing for women in need for so sure. long. Thanks, thanks for joining so us. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Teresa. Well, real alternatives and the concept of using taxpayer funding to provide an alternative to abortion to the citizens of the Commonwealth was the brainchild of uh, Governor Robert Casey and uh, State uh, Appropriations Chair Republican Joe Pitts. They wanted to set aside money in the state budget to ensure that women had another choice other than abortion and uh the the stats in the late 80s were shown uh, by dr reardon of the Elliott institute where he had surveyed women who had had an abortion and they said if one person would have helped them they wouldn't have had that abortion that very much controlled the creation of the program and what real alternatives does is we are the statewide administrator we're a pro-life big face organization we're the uh statewide administrator for the uh, Commonwealth's program and we presently fund 83 Catholic Charities, Pregnancy Centers, Adoption Agencies and Maternity Homes. And we've been doing it the last 27 years. We were the first of its kind. We've helped uh, 15 other states start their programs. We also operate uh, the program in Indiana. We started the Texas program in 2005 and spun that off. And we ran the Michigan program uh... in two thousand and uh... eight um, presently in the commonwealth we have served three hundred and fifty thousand women wow in the last twenty seven years wow and uh... these women choose life sixty uh, percent of the women that come to us who they themselves are abortion minded end up choosing uh... childbirth based on the support we can give them from the moment of conception through twelve months after birth i think it's also interesting to note 84% of the women who are pressured to have an abortion end up choosing life uh, because of the support and the great counselors at, at the 83 centers. At any one time, Teresa, we'll have uh, 350 counselors throughout the Commonwealth dedicated to these women. We serve about 14,000 women a year.
1: Incredible. So what happened recently with your governor and that tax funding?
0: Yeah, so... Uh, sort of shocked the world August 3rd after uh, a contentious uh, uh, budget season. Um, he stated publicly in a press release that uh, he has decided not to renew the contract uh, for Real Alternatives uh, that the uh, legislature and, and and the founders had, had wanted so much, this 100% pro-life program. Uh, and that has sort of uh, gotten put everybody on the back of their heels initially, but they're sort of shocked why he would do this. And, of course, you know, any leader is is only as good as the information he gets uh, from his staff and his people. And and interesting enough, uh, Governor Shapiro met day four of his governorship with Planned Parenthood uh, folks, and it was reported that they were calling for an end the funding of of these uh, of the of this program and unfortunately I we believe he's extremely uh, misinformed right number one to the to the need of the program uh, and how our program is so successful in meeting that need that it's been replicated throughout the
1: nation so what happens with your funding that's been removed what does that mean for you financially then
0: well it hasn't you know right now I, I it, it has not been done uh, yet. The the contract technically expired June 30th. In the press release, he said he was ending the program and our contracts through the end of December. So it, it's a plan for him that he states that he's going to end the contract. Um, certainly, you know, uh, um, our service providers, we're, we're talking about $7.263 million a year that will now not go to the Catholic Charities the pregnancy centers and the uh, um, uh, maternity homes that are providing these services, and, you know, people go to work and they need to get paid, and this program uh, is a fee-for-service program that uh, reimburses those service providers that we talk about uh, on a fee-for-service basis. If there's no reimbursement, obviously, uh, you know, certainly 350 counselors who are dedicated to this program will will have a, a shortfall. Um, not to mention, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the the money goes to pay for the rent for buildings right. and things of that sort. So it is a substantial uh, uh, financial impact for our service providers. Real alternatives, like I said, we have other contracts, uh, but this this really really is going to impact the services uh, to the women in need. And and uh, you know, we we've, we've been looking at the at the stats. You know, mm-hmm. the Catholic charities are are, are famous for going and doing work with the poor and disadvantaged in the inner cities. Uh, and the big impact for them, for the clients there, will be uh, the minority clients, the, the African-American, Hispanic clients. Uh, the, the Catholic charities uh, overwhelmingly serve a majority of their clients are, are minority women in an unexpected pregnancy. And it's uh, it's, it, you know, The other side talks about, you know, choice. This action takes away the other choice. But they don't want choice, Kevin.
1: It's all semantics. You and I know that. And this is what's so hypocritical and so terrible about this, because Planned Parenthood knows, as you just said, the, the research, and they know this, goes back that when women are presented with the real choice and the option, if they're given help, because many, my husband is a sidewalk counselor, he's been a sidewalk counselor for years, he's actually taken women who were thinking of abortion, driven them to a local pregnancy resource center, and they had no idea that that was available to them, and they received the help that they need in here in the Archdiocese of Detroit. When they are presented with, wow, there's help for me out there, somebody can help me with this? as you said, but if they get help, then they can't, won't get an abortion, and so what's happening? Planned Parenthood's profits go down. It's so obvious, and they talk about choice. They don't want choice, just like in Michigan with Proposal 3. They don't want people to have choice. They just want to push, push, push abortion, and so then they get into the semantics, and they get into all the stuff about how we're fake clinics and everything else, and it's just a big, fat lie. So what do you do now, though? Are you able to, to bring this out in the public? I mean, is there a silver lining in terms of people realizing that this is oh. going on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We we certainly uh, have let, you know, the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference, Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, which is the Right to Life affiliate, the Pennsylvania Family Institute, uh, and, uh, Catholic Medical Association, everybody is calling their legislators. Um, we are very blessed in Pennsylvania to have a strong majority pro-life uh, Senate, uh and the next step in the budget process from what, you know our understanding is the money's been appropriated but now uh um, programs have to be created in what's called code bills in order for the money to be let out to them mm-hmm. and uh that is the the next battleground and i guess this program becomes part of that um uh, political battle um I can tell you that the population, uh, in, in, in the Commonwealth is pro-life. They have responded strongly. We're two and a half weeks after <clears throat> the surprise announcement. Uh, and, um, you know, your listeners in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, go to paprolife.org. That's paprolife.org. Uh, they can go and find their, uh, state representative and senator, uh, and, uh, let, uh, uh, let their representatives know what they think about uh, the program. Remember, it's their program. They're the taxpayers. This is something that has been bipartisan in the beginning. Uh, Teresa, I have to tell you, Ed Rendell, who was a a pro-abortion governor, um, after auditing our program, his Department of Human Services secretary wrote a glowing letter to the people in Texas, and that's why we were able to roll out and replicate the Pennsylvania program in Texas. So mm-hmm. this, isn't a, this is a very unusual time we live in. I can tell you, uh, in the, over the 27-year period, Teresa, we would get referrals from Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. This is a new thing that's going on the last eight or nine years. Well,
1: I think it's also post-Dobbs, though. Don't you think that they're panicking? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But but again, you know, if you're intellectually honest, what, who's going to help the women who decide I'm in on unexpected pregnancy and I don't want to have an abortion? Or I didn't know, as you were saying, I didn't know there, w- there was an option and there was a program to help us. You know, it's not just the funding for the service providers and the great work they do, because let's be very clear, an alternative to abortion is another person. It's another person who's going to walk with that woman in an unexpected pregnancy. And for our program, it's from the moment of conception to 12 months after birth. Um, but we also have a robust advertising campaign. You know, you hit the nail on the head. If a woman doesn't know there is an alternative to abortion, she doesn't have one. Right. So we have a robust advertising campaign every year to get, get the word out about this program. All a woman has to do uh, is go to one eight 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 888 dot com and she can be connected uh, uh, after she puts her zip code in into the local <clears throat> excuse me the local mm-hmm. center in in her area. so it's not just <clears throat> the funding we purchase all the education material for the clients. Uh, we save taxpayers' money as you can imagine uh, uh, once that relationship, that trust relationship Uh, Is built with the uh, uh, with the clients. Guess what? You know, it's like a big sister. You know, constantly uh, working with her, making sure she gets to her prenatal care appointments. Making sure once the baby's born, she's getting to her well baby checkups. Using CDC formulas, we save 140 million dollars a year uh, because of the prenatal care that the uh, uh, w- women go to. And, of course, you know and I know that lowers infant mortality right, and maternal right. mortality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we save uh, uh, about $247 million uh, because the uh, clients are, are getting to their well-baby checkups. Right. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a great program. Our administrative cost is 8.8%. It's a lane program. Uh, the taxpayers decided to help women in an unexpected pregnancy uh Freder- frederica matthews green you know i'm sure you know her she spoke at one of our uh uh conferences and she said that the when a woman is in a crisis pregnancy you want to end the crisis not the baby, right
1: not the pregnancy yeah
0: and and you know it's it's it, Also, the mission statement we got from Governor Robert Casey. He specifically said this to our counselors at our first banquet. He said, our mission is to fight the poison of hopelessness
1: Mm -hmm.
0: with love. Think about that. Our mission, all the counselors in in, in the United States at the 3,000-plus centers, remember that our mission is to fight the poison of hopelessness with love. Mm -hmm. And that's what our counselors do, and that's what the citizens of the Commonwealth
1: and what you're saving money in the long in the, in the long run as well, because when women are, are not having abortions, they're much more mentally stable because of what we know from the research, Dr. Reardon, you mentioned and so many other uh, organizations that have done this research on post-abortive healing, the problems that are associated with women who are pressured into, who have abortions, period. Even if they don't show up right away, they eventually show up within at least probably five to ten years. Kevin, we're out of time. Thank you so much. You're such a strong pro-life spokesperson. Give us a website for Real Alternatives.
0: Sure, it's realalternatives.org, realalternatives.org, but Pennsylvania citizens, go to paprolife.org.
1: And Kevin, if you could keep in touch with us and let us know what happens, because it ain't over until it's over, right? As Yogi Bear said, darn right. Yeah, and I, I, I hope, really, that the wonderful pro-life people, so many of whom uh, are in the, the, the great state of Pennsylvania, can go to the governor and show him this evidence, which has been there for years, And maybe even do a PSA campaign. This is the media person in me talking. Get some of the women and families who've been helped by Real Alternatives. Get them on camera. Get them on the radio. Talk about what you've done. And now, all of a sudden, this is not a helpful thing for Pennsylvania. Really? Kevin, thanks. God bless you. Kevin Magana with Real Alternatives. And we will talk soon. We're out of time on a Wednesday. And remember, we are your pro-life radio and TV network. And we'll put the links to Real Alternatives and the other links that Kevin suggested and also that Alex suggested up on our archive section at the Catholic Connection Archive at AveMariaRadio.net. We'll be right back on a busy Wednesday morning. Stay tuned. Thanks so much for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Again, Catholic Connection, co-produced by EWTN and Ave Maria Radio. And don't forget, family celebration coming up this weekend. And you can find out more at EWTN.com. We will continue our discussion as we do every day, God willing. Tomorrow on a Thursday, we are joined by the one the only. Speaking of the family celebration, he'll be there. But tomorrow, he'll be with us, Father Mitch Pacwa, our cultural connections. Have a blessed day. Happy birthday, Al Cresta. We'll talk to you tomorrow on You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's ave Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.